Views and opinions discussed are purely those of the individuals who have shared them with us and are not to be used without permission. We may discuss some medical topics or items. Do not take this as medical advice. All right. Welcome back to what episode is this? Seven or eight, eight or something like that? See, we don't even know. It's been so long. But you know what? School gets in the way. We got major testing happening with CCE and everything else. We also happen to fall into the busiest quarter, apparently. So, yeah. yeah so this is our, uh, our next episode. We bring you Joe Friedman, Dr. Joe Friedman, who's up in Washington. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Hey, guys. What's up? Um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm Joe Friedman. Uh, I'm a year and a half out of the uh, Palmer West curriculum. I'm still weird to call myself a doctor. It's still <laughs> like strange to me. Um, yeah, I, I am from uh, South Central PA. I'm from York. Uh, went to Palmer West from 2016 in the class of uh, December 2019. Um, worked in the Bay Area for about a year, a little less than a year. Um, and then moved up here to Washington state in December, um, to live in the tri-cities. Awesome. Awesome. Well, briefly, real quick, how I met Joe was in, um, actually at Dr. Brink's office doing some Aldoa and joint pumping. Real quick question. Do you use any of that stuff that often? I use the joint pumping a lot. And actually I taught in Aldoa this morning. Um, (laughs) so I don't want to, uh, take a dump on that curriculum at all because uh, I learned a ton and there's a lot of really good stuff in there. Yeah. Um, but it's all the curriculum itself was very dogmatic as we've kind of talked about privately. Right. Um, and to be honest, like the guy who, who taught it, who was awesome, like Dr. Jason, uh, I'm going to forget his last name. That's Maybe terrible. Yeah. 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 Um, he's awesome. D- Jason Amstutz. Uh, but I don't have two hours with patients and he's talking about pumping a joint like 60, 80 times and then yeah. having you try and then pumping in another 60, 80. Like I don't have that. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I just, uh, I was curious as to that. Cause I know we've talked about it. And so I just yeah. wondered if maybe in the course of your year being out, if you've developed any sort of extension of, or, or actual you, uses for it. Yeah. So the joint pumping is awesome. Um, I get a, where I am now, I'm, I don't want to say I'm primary care because I'm, I'm not, uh, but I live in small town, Washington. And so I get a lot of like hot, low backs, uh, geriatric patients, uh, kids think people where I'm trying to be like low force, gentle, like, let's just get a little bit of movement in this very specific place. And for that, the joint pumping was great. Uh, I really, really like it. And it's easy to fill 15 minutes and leave people feeling great. Um, the ankle, the extremities stuff, phenomenal. Like the clavicle one they do is awesome. Um, but it, everybody's a little different. So it's hard to say like, yeah, when someone comes in with a rotator issue, I do this and then do that and then do this one. It's more just, uh, finding the, as kind of Dr. Brink's philosophy kind of is, is finding the joint that's restricted and moving along, like getting it, uh, getting it moving again. Um, as far as the Aldoas, dude, they're so technical that, uh, I can't, like they, they, for most of my patients, again, is like geriatric people. They're just not going to do it. Right. And that was my, my, uh, I guess, expectation out of that. I, I was going to save that for the highly motivated and people that were actually going to do the homework and actually stick to something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I was just curious. So let's actually get into the meat of the conversation. Yeah. Expectations and reality. So like Justin said, I don't think me and him have actually talked about this. We haven't. Not for ourselves, what we expect. Um, 
But what do you expect, Danny? What based on the curriculum that we're going through, and I know this is kind of a massive shift, but based on the curriculum we're going through right now and everything, our last conversation was about being felt how we felt prepared for right. or after. Right. So what sort of expectations do you have coming out of school? Um, I know, you know, I'm not gonna know everything. Yeah. Um clinic is a place to say to uh <laughs> They say clinic is a place you make your mistakes and all that, right? But yeah. I, I feel like the mistakes are still going to be made a little bit, you know, out in the real world. Yeah. Hopefully not Smart. serious ones. Smart. Um, but, you know, from be being from Canada and especially Vancouver, so um, the people I've talked to up there, it sounds like as soon as you come back, you kind of just jump into like an associateship kind of role and you get under somebody's wing and then you just kind of mold and or you, you kind of develop yourself into kind of that person's way yeah let's go down that rabbit hole a little bit do you expect that to be an easy process because i know like for i don't know about joe but i have a feeling for myself it might be a little bit difficult or it seems difficult to just find a person that i want to potentially uh precept under and then potentially associate to kind of bridge that gap so is that a easy thing in canada for you or it's it's easy to the guys i've talked to up there and to the, the girls uh the docs i've talked to uh it's it's pretty easy Okay. There's a lot of, there's a lot of work. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of demand for chiropractors. It's not saturated. Okay. Um, Interesting. That being said, I think on a personal level, I, I haven't really committed myself during school to thinking, I guess, one way completely. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you, you have gone down like the movement route. Yeah. yeah. I, I really like that, but I haven't committed myself to that yeah. or any other route. Yeah. So I think when it comes to time to find a preceptor or to find um, even somebody to work under, um, it's kind of open to me. Like right, I'm not right, stuck right. on, hey, this person needs to be like this. There's a few things I have that I want to make sure they have mm -hmm. or that this person, you know, will teach me. Yeah. But other than that, it's I'm kind of like an open book, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of see where it that's, goes. I think that's a great place to be. Joe, what about you? How was your process through that? Um, so. Who? OK, so I, I graduated at an interesting time. Right. Like I graduated December 2019, <laughs> December. I, I went home like the next week and partied with my family and like everything was great and came back to the Bay and like had potential where I'd precepted. And uh, one of the, one of the questions that Dr. Brink asked me was like, all right, cool. So you graduated. Like, what does your resume look like? What are your skills? Right. And so uh, if if you're like, un, like Danny, you were saying like you're uncommitted to like going like a movement route or like, you know, what, what exactly you, it is that you want to do. And that's fine. Um, but what I would say is like, before you graduate, you right. need to have like some sort of basic certification in movement quality. Like you need to be able to assess someone, whether that's SFMA doesn't have to be like uh, rock, the rock tape people have like whatever. And some like soft tissue skills. Right. right. Like that you can go into anywhere and be like, look, man, I at least am confident in like, I can do some really good soft tissue therapy and I can also do this. So I didn't have that. And it really was like an eye opening thing for him to be like, all right, like, here's like, this stuff is all great. You did sports council. Like you've treated me, you're a phenomenal therapist, but nobody cares that you were in the soft tissue club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so getting that kind of stuff is, is important. Um, I wanted to, to be an associate. I thought that would be really a good deal. Um, I 
didn't get that. My thing was a little unique because again of COVID and I had to precept, I had to do a post-grad precept um, for quite a while after I graduated. Um, so that basically made me like an hourly employee, which was difficult, <laughs> right. um, especially as the economy took a complete dump last year. Uh, so as far as like, well, Justin, what do you, what is it that you, like, what do you imagine you graduate and you walk into your position as a. See, so my expectations can be a little different because I've come in, I even went into school with the plan of starting my own business. As soon as I'm out, I'm probably going to start my own clinic. Uh, so I know that's going to be hard. I know it's going to take time to develop. I know it's going to take time to grow the business. I know it's going to take time to develop my, uh, clientele, my patient list, everything else. It's like, I'm expecting that as part of it. Now, the thing that for me is what's that going to look like? Is that going to be a one room office? Is that going to be a three room thing? You know, it, it all depends on where it's at. It all depends on how much money I can get together. Um, all these sort of little things matter. So for me, I expect to fully start my own thing. Now, what does that look like? I don't know. Uh, there is part of me wants to stick to adjusting and making sure that I'm getting really freaking good at that. Part of me also wants to incorporate rehab and movement because I also know how to do those things. So I don't know. That's kind of for me where my expectations maybe splinter a little bit because is there any money in doing rehab and being the guy that can assess movement and help people out of pain through movement, but taking an hour versus adjusting and using chiropractic to, you know, help a bunch of people feel better. You know what I mean? So, yeah. well, Justin, uh, Dr. Brink does a ton of movement yeah. and where I am now is not a lot of movement. Um, he did 30 minute visits, a minor 15 now. Um, and I'm not an associate. I'm not an hourly. I'm an independent contractor. So anytime now that I'm not there, I'm not getting paid period. Um, so it's been interesting for me, uh, in the last like six months in this role, transitioning from like doing so much exercise, mm -hmm. to having people who come in are like, nah, dude, I've been getting just activator adjusted for the last like 20 years. And that's what I like. So give it to me, charge my Medicare and get together and let me get out of here. I get 12 visits right now. Right. Like you get those people who, who come in and like demand that they don't want exercise and they don't want, you know, that kind of stuff. And like, you have to, you have to shoot those gaps. Yeah. So I, I get them to do exercise in ways that they don't think are exercise, like getting someone's neat up 500 calories a day, yeah. which is a tremendous amount of movement for your average everyday person. Right. Uh, is huge. Like just little things like that, that are quote unquote, like exercise. Um, but I understand because I say to people all the time, my patients now who are like willing to do exercise, I wish I had the equipment that I used to have. I wish I had the kettlebells. I wish I had the dumbbells. I wish I had the squat, you know, the, the bar and the rack and all that stuff. Cause like, man, I would take you out here on the floor and I would adjust you in three minutes and I'd spend the next, you know, 12 minutes out here on the floor doing stuff that matters. Right. Um, so I understand that, uh, you have to kind of negotiate for what it is that you want. So if you want to start your own business out of school, make sure you have enough cash mm -hmm. on hand 
or you're going to be working, you know, Postmates, Uber Eats, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, whatever, whatever job you have getting out of school, like right out of school, you got to have enough cash on hand to get licensed, which Mm -hmm. takes a couple, you know, can take a couple of months um, to get all your business licensing done, which you should be doing in the background anyway, to like go through that whole process can take a little while. Yeah. Uh, And so make sure you have some money and time set aside to do that. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's talk about your expectations. What were your expectations coming out of school versus now the reality that you deal with? Uh, so my expectations were that. Well, okay. So let, let me give you this this two part answer. My expectations going into school mm, yeah. were, was that I was going to uh, graduate with a mean salary of ninety eight thousand dollars a year, <laughs> um, because at the time when I applied. Uh, in the early 20 teens, uh, that was about what it was. Um, I was going to graduate from school, probably live back home in Pennsylvania where the cost of living is low and make that much money. And that's like plenty to be happy out there. You know, mm-hmm. everything would just fall into line and I'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, gr- upon graduation, uh, my expectations were, okay, I want to be an associate. I want to be in a, in a movement-based place, but if not, okay, I got bills I need to pay. Um, and I wanted like a minimum of 50,000 a year. Uh, I did not get that. Uh, I didn't really get anything other than the movement. Um, and during my interview process, which again happened like after, a little before and after graduation and then like right as COVID was starting. <laughs> so right when I was like really getting my, my uh, feet under me and like getting a ton of interviews and stuff, like everything shut down. Right. Um, so my expectations were a little changed because everywhere I went in was like, no, we're going to pay you crap salary. We're going to pay you like next to nothing. Uh, we are, the phrase I used was like eating our own young. And it felt like, you know, getting out started to kind of feel like that. So Mm -hmm. as I was interviewing more and more, my expectations got a little more grounded and like reality. And, uh, by the time that I got hired and was like, you know, really uh, just making some money to survive, um, my expectations were basically like, listen, I need to make X amount per patient, which means I need to see, like, I needed to figure this out for myself. You know, I need to see this many per month in order to pay my bills. Mm-hmm. Like my expectations changed over time. Right. Um, and I started to hit those numbers, which was not easy. Um, but started to do it and it wasn't like ungodly amounts of people. It was, like I said, just enough to scrape by. So it's kind of hard to answer because last year was not an average year. It's not like I graduated and like, you know, jobs were really highly readily available and people were hiring like crazy because everything just got shut down. Um, however, if you're going to stay in the Bay area, this is a really good one that you, that, uh, isn't talked about enough. Your competition. Yeah. Right. Like people are always like, ah, oh, you're different. You'll bring somebody in who's different. No, I'm one of like two chiropractors in the town that I live in or that I work in, not that I live in, uh, but that I work in. And it, the lack of competition makes a really big difference. I see as many people in like two days now, as I saw in almost a month at my other place. Wow. Yeah. Quick, quick backtrack. What led you to go to Washington? Um, I had a very good friend of mine, uh, Dr. Vivi Bajalov, who is, uh, he's an awesome doc, super smart guy. Um, very business minded, but also just like at the end of the day, always looking out for the patient's best. Right. Um, 
awesome guy. Um, he called me and, and he's Canadian. Uh, and he, he said, you know, Hey man, I don't think I'm going to be able to get my visa this year. Um, so we're kind of trying to prepare for the worst. Um, would you want to come up here and interview? Um, so I did, and I really like it up here. Um, it's like 200,000 people in the County. Um, and yeah, so it's like super small town out here. Um, I really like it though. Um, and it's an insurance based practice. I'm an independent contractor. Like the contract terms are good. Um, the owner is just a super honest guy. And like, I feel really good about working for him, which is always a great feeling. Um, yeah, if, if something feels wrong when you're, you're in the interview process, that's like a red flag. You're probably not going to enjoy working there. Yeah. No, um, intuition for sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's what kind of led me up here. Like we, my fiance Kim and I have been together for like, we're going on 10 years. So we want to have kids soon and like buy a house and do all that stuff. And that's just not going to happen in the Bay area, making next to no money, even making a significant sum of money. It's probably still not going to happen in the Bay area. Um, I also don't pay state income tax here. So that was a huge driver for me. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, it saves me so much money that I was losing in California. Um, yeah, it's just a, a really great position all around. There's, it just ticks all the boxes. Like we're, we're paying for now for just like a living space. We'd pay three times the amount in California. Easy. Wow. Yeah. 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 That sounds about right. It's good though, man. Happy for yeah. You. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so yeah, we, uh, we had a pretty good draw out here. <laughs> there was no reason not to, um, but yeah, well, like when you have zero competition besides the other guy in your office or whoever else is in the area, it makes that a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, let's talk about your independent contracting a little bit. Is that something that I know you, I know Vivi sets you up with it, but as far as like, that versus working for the person versus renting a room in your own in in his office type of thing mm. is that working out for you do you really enjoy the independent contractor side of things versus yeah. maybe working for him yeah um so it wasn't something that i had considered upon graduating i thought i was either going to be like an associate or i was going to rent a room but at the end of the day i guess renting a room is being an independent contractor like right. yeah um so I, I wasn't sure how that was going to work out necessarily, but as I was in the job I was in before, it kind of started to dawn on me that that's really what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, so I like it a lot. I don't get charged. There are some docs that will charge you to like use their front desk staff. Right. They'll charge you like an overhead or a rental room, you know, or rent, rental fee, whatever. I don't get charged any of that. Um, I use his front desk staff. They take the patients back into each room. Like while I'm in a room with another patient, they take the other people out and clean the rooms and all that stuff. Like, and to be honest with you, it's really nice. I do my job. I come in, I do my job. They stay at the front and do their job. And like, it's great. I, um, we use Cairo touch. So it's all like easy to communicate between us and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's a percentage base. So I, uh, I'm very, open about talking about my my contract i didn't sign a non-disclosure and i think that it is absolute uh here's the explicit warning it's uh, absolute bullshit that uh people don't openly talk about the contracts that they're getting 
Right. Because how else can you two sit across from each other and know if you go in and interview at the same place and don't compare your contracts, how do you know if one of you is getting screwed or not? Right. Yeah. And if you're in the same area doing the same job, you should be getting paid relatively the same. Um, so I get paid a base salary per month. Um, and then everything uh, after $4,000 that I collect is on a commission basis. So I have to like cover myself as an expense first. Right. And that's something that, that you need to be aware of getting out of school. Like if you ask for $50,000, you better be able to make that guy or that girl, like that practice 50 right. grand. Yeah. You better be able to bring that in and then some, cause they have to pay your, your sales tax too. Uh, or your, your, uh, the tax that you're, I can't. Yeah. I'm looking words for it. Yeah. Your salary tax. There we go. There you go. Yeah. Um, so you have to make that money and then some for them. As an independent contractor, he pays me four grand. So I have to cover that first. Mm-hmm. And then everything after that is my commission. So it starts at a percent base and every for every, like the first five grand, I make this much. And then for the 5,000 and first to the $10,000, I make 5% more. For 10,001 to 15, I make 5% more. So uh, I don't get vacation. I don't get a holiday. I don't get sick time. Like I said, if I'm not there, if I don't work, I don't get paid. Right. Yeah. Um, so that is a downside. There's no health insurance, nothing like that. I have to pay for that myself, which is not cheap. Right. Um, but it is what it is. And I'm making a lot more money now than I was before. Um, and I have kind of adopted his business model because at the end of the day, it's his practice. He just pays me to be a doctor inside of there. Yeah. Uh, the way that we have it set up is 15 minute visits. Great amount of time. If you're coming out of school and looking for like a snappy time frame, 10 to 15 minutes, I feel like is, is plenty. Mm-hmm. Um, new patients are like 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Get them in, get them out. He's not a x-ray everybody guy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess as far as my contract goes, there's nothing that, uh, is overly surprising i would say just ask for more mm-hmm. yeah the worst thing do you have a, do you a negotiation point in your contract is like a point uh, after two years two years yeah so the, the, what we agreed upon was a right of first refusal mm-hmm. uh so like danny you said you might want to go work for somebody and get like molded by them right in your contract include a right of first refusal most people will then take you seriously. They'll be like, oh, okay, this guy actually potentially wants to buy me out. And basically what it is, is if they decide to sell, they have to come to you first. Gotcha. That's a big point. Yeah. And I would hate to work at a place for like, I don't know, five years thinking you're going to take it over and then have somebody else swoop in and buy it. Like, oh, that's a nightmare scenario. So it at least gives you, if, if nothing else, it gives you a heads up that that doc is looking to get out. Um, so I have, after two years, I'll have a right of first refusal. And he also did help pay for uh, relocation. He gave me a pretty fat bonus for that, uh, because that was not cheap. Um, he originally offered me, uh, uh, I think it was 2,500 and I asked for an extra thousand because again, always like, I actually asked for another 2,500. And he said, no, he could only afford, uh, $3,500. So like, yeah, we agreed on that was fair. Um, but if I wouldn't have asked for it, I wouldn't have got, I wouldn't have gotten it. Yeah. And then in California, in uh, Washington state, there are uh, non-compete clauses. Mm-hmm. 
so he asked for a uh, 30 mile and I said, nah, that's not going to work. Cause that puts me out of where I'm going to live. Right. Um, so I asked for a 20 mile and he was like, yeah, sure. That's fine. Um, so like stuff like that, always just like ask for more mm -hmm. if they're really yeah. serious about bringing you on. Yeah. Like a non-compete clause that is 10 miles or that's 20 miles instead of 30, like not a big deal for them. Huge deal for me. My family and I would have literally had to move. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> we, yeah it wouldn't have worked. Um, so as far as like getting out, expect to get lowballed. Mm -hmm. Uh, because you're new. And if you stay in San Jose or an area with high competition, they can afford the turnover. Yeah. Hearing you talk about your contract actually reminded me, uh, I shadowed over winter break back home and one of the docs actually brought up that whole percentage thing and, um, covering X amount of costs and then the rest goes to you. So actually that was really familiar from, um, what he had told me. Mm -hmm. So that was another option I was thinking about too. Actually, I didn't mention it. But that was something that I thought of, you know, that potentially I would go into after school. But the thing is, yeah. not everyone offers. No, not everyone offers that. So then that's where I'd have to, you know, play it out with. Does this person fit me? And then are they offering this? Yeah. 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 It, it's really hard. Uh, I hear a lot of horror stories uh, from my class and from others. Um, of people who you enter into a, a workplace or an office really with high hopes and expecting one thing. And then it just being like an absolute nightmare scenario, whether like you find out that you can't handle 60 patients a day <laughs> um, or you like the, the person, the boss is like, I don't know, like abusive or is, you know, taking like stealing money or whatever, like, you don't really know someone until you're there for a while. Um, so that, yeah, I, I guess I would probably do like a one-year contract hindsight being what it is just sure. to make sure. Um, cause a year is not that long. Two years is a, a pretty lengthy amount of time. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. They didn't in school. They do the best. They, they do a job. That's, that's a good way to put it. They, they do a job when it comes <laughs> to this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, have money for an accountant. Yeah. You're a chiropractor. Stay in your lane. <laughs> like have money for an accountant. Have money for a, a, a decent lawyer that can look over your contract and tell you if you're right. getting screwed. Right. Um, it's not the first yeah, there's a, a, a lot of little expenses that you don't necessarily expect that just creep up. I think to get licensed in California ended up costing me like $700 or close to it. 500, something like that. Wow. By the time you like take the ethics exam and then pay the state stuff and then do this and do that and do the hokey pokey and turn yourself around. Um, <laughs> it's a racket. Man. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't know. What other questions you guys have? Well, honestly, I think you really touched on a lot of it. Do you have any tips or things you want to say to students that are in school that are let's just say in school with unrealistic, we'll leave them at that. They can be whatever they want them to be, but somewhat unrealistic to what reality is. Any tips to kind of quote unquote, bring them back down to reality of what to expect or how to prepare for the real world once school gets out. Cause I know I've talked to some docs that got out and they were six months from quitting because 
they had this unrealistic expectation of what they were going to be doing when they got out of or got into practice out of school and they had to like totally rework their mental around what they were doing. So what sort of tips do you have now that you've kind of gone through that process? Um, I would be interested to listen to my answer to this question in like five years from now to see uh-huh. how this changes. Um, man. Um, okay. So make that, make that question a little more succinct for me. Give me like a direction to, to okay. go. Okay. Um, I, I want to see 10 people a day. No, I'm sorry. I want to see 20 people a week each of them for an hour. I want to do full rehab. I want to be able to adjust. I want to be able to assess. And I still want to make hundred K a year. Why is that not going to happen? Because not everybody can be, okay. I understand what you're saying now. Okay. So this is also, this gets into like a, a philosophical question too, Absolutely. right? So not everyone can be millionaires. Okay. Like just off the bat, um, if your philosophy sounds like a religion, that's my, that's my like first, like, you might not do too well in, in practice. Like you're going to go one of two ways. Right. So in my opinion, philosophy, my philosophy is very exercise driven, right? Like, because I get into these situations where I get patients who have been seen three times a week from years on end. And like, they're not getting any better. I give them wall angels and their pain of four years is gone. Like, come on. Um, so you can do that. The, you know, see 20 patients a week, that's four people a day. Right. So that if you're trying to make hundred K a month, you're looking at like eight, 8,500 a month, divide that by your 20 days you're in office and divide that by however many people. And that's how much you have to charge per person. Right. You got to have a really special clientele. Right. And not everybody can, can treat those areas. Like that population doesn't exist everywhere. If I wanted to go home and treat that population. Yeah. Right. Where I'm from people, the average person just doesn't have that kind of money. Um, However, I think the flip side of the coin and abusing insurance and pips and uh, like L and I, and that kind of stuff, like abusing that stuff is how a lot of docs make a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's responsible ways to do it. Yeah. To like use those things. They're, they're there for the patient's benefit. Um, but that's kind of around like to, to say that you want to make a hundred grand a year is not an unrealistic expectation. You can totally do that right out of school. I, I know some people who have done it. You can totally do it for the average person. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I think, I think it comes down to, honestly, I think it comes down to the lack of business education and understanding right. that, that our school doesn't really have time to teach us that mm-hmm. I think, I mean, you hit it right there, that equation of how much do you want to make a year by how often do you want to work divided mm-hmm. by how many people you plan on seeing divided by how much you plan on charging or to figure out how much you plan on charging. Then you can kind of realistically understand how much you have to charge. And but that's you- if you're cash. That's if you're a cash practice. So oh, for example, like, right. if you're insurance based and you want to bill like two units of exercise as a Cairo, you might not get, sorry though. She goes, you, oh, uh, <laughs> Billy, no, you got a toy over here. Come on. Um, <laughs> So like you, you can do that, but there's no guarantee that the, the person's insurance will pay. And they're, 
really it's a it's a you're barking at your cage we're gonna (laughs) sorry um there's there's really like i don't know i don't know anybody who's doing that with insurance i'll just put it that way if you want to be a cash-based practice and do that that's totally fine and i suppose as in it if you take cash and insurance you could have like a hour long rate that includes all of these services and i suppose charge like like you if they, if you don't want to bill for exercise and soft tissue therapy together you can bill for it as uh like sports therapy mm-hmm. and insurance most insurances in california will pay for that um however yeah i don't know anyone who's pulling in like six figures you know well, I shouldn't say anyone. I, I don't know many people who haven't, who aren't well established, who are able to do that and pull in serious money. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. You can do it. I think another flaw though is, or why people have these expectations. I know I don't, but, uh, <laughs> is, uh, one is the lack of them personally communicating with docs that are out there, you know, like get, just put yourself out there, talk to some people, shadow some people, wherever you want to work that but also these docs that we do here speaking and whatnot that's something they don't talk about like you said you're pretty open with it i know i'm open with that kind of stuff too yeah yeah and for you to tell us that stuff that was awesome but that's rare man yeah it's bullshit yeah (laughs) and i think because of that people have this their expectation just continues to grow and Mm -hmm. keeps manifesting and all that but and yeah. they get slapped in the face with reality. <laughs> yeah, and then they end up not wanting to practice two years after school, and now they're in this massive debt, and those downward spiral begins. So, yeah. Um, the first know, year, yeah, first ahead. year, super humbling. Yeah, yeah, super humbling because I graduated with forty something people, and there are uh, you don't just like stop communicating. Like the web doesn't just like completely fall apart. Right. Like you still hear rumblings about like, yeah, you know, who's doing what. And you're like, how are they living there? And just like crushing it. Yeah. I don't get it. Like, I don't understand. And then the opposite, you see people that you're like, they were, they're killing it. And I'm so happy for them. Hell yeah. That's awesome. You know, like, I, I don't know. Everybody's journey is a little different and a lot of people give up along the way because business has highs and lows. And even now the doc that I work for, he's been in this specific practice for, um, I think 18 years. He bought it like 15 years ago. And, uh, every week he, he comes to me and he's like, Hey man, what are your goals for this month? Like, are you checking them off? Are you meeting them? What are we doing? Do I need to take you out and like, buy lunches to go get lawyers and stuff like that to send you more L and I and auto and that kind of stuff. Like he's a lot more um, business minded, but also open to helping me. And my goal, I want to see 20 people a day every day that I'm there. So this morning I was there nine to noon and I had a full schedule of 12. That's like perfect for me. That's a 15 minute appointment every 15 minutes on the 15 minutes from nine to noon. It was great. Um, but I would like that to be the case, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday when I'm there as well. Yeah. And he just told me, he's like, what are your numbers? So I'm seeing between like 16, uh, like 15 and 18 a day. And he was like, man, I wasn't seeing 20 until I was out here for at least a year, year and a half. And just like giving you like 20 a day consistently, like yeah. giving me that little, you know, easy pump the brakes. Like, like you said, it's getting out and building a practice is building a business. And Unfortunately for us in our industry, that takes a little while. Yeah. Uh, 
so you, you have to be patient with that journey. Um, everybody wants to get out and be the next million dollar Cairo. And that's just not, yeah, that's not how it works. I really would say if you're going to do anything, you should do some sort of exercise with people because that's the life-changing stuff. Like legitimately giving one person wall angels. And they were like, I haven't had a migraine in a month because you gave me one exercise that I do in the morning and I do at night. And like, that's all she needed. Life changed. Like that kind of stuff is what gets me off it, working in a, in a sports-based practice. I don't mean that in a weird way. Come on. I knew you what you know. meant. Relax. <laughs> uh, but like working in a sports-based practice, you just get people who come in and are like, my knees hurt when I run, make them not hurt. Yeah. Working where I do now is like, listen, I'm a farmer and uh, I have like spring has sprung and we're out in the fields. And if I don't work, my family doesn't eat. So mm-hmm. get me better. Mm-hmm. And you give them something like that, that they are something they can do out in, you know, on the equipment that they have to, okay, they have to stop every 20 minutes to do this thing on the ground because it gives them relief or to do some nerve flossing because it makes their numbness and tingling in their hands go away. But whatever, that person can now work all day long. Like that's the stuff that matters. Um, and I, I don't know, don't lose sight of that getting out over the frustration of not building a business as quickly as you want. Um, and Danny, you said earlier about failures happening in the clinic. Oh, buddy, do they happen in the real world? I had a patient today who I released a month ago. All right. This was like the last appointment. She had finally gotten to the point where like, okay, we're a month out. And she comes in and she was like, yeah, I was feeling great. And went to my primary for my, uh, my primary care for some, uh, you know, some, my COVID shot, whatever. And they found I had some numbness and tingling that day. So like they took an x-ray and then they did an MRI and they found I have like a huge disc herniation that uh, while I was seeing her, no numbness, no tingling, zero pain. Everything was fine. Like literally this was like four days before she came in today. (laughs) So sometimes you have those huge setbacks, catastrophic failures, literally somebody who is no longer in pain, we had been doing like a ton of rehab and exercise with her. She was awesome. And just like, she was out riding a four wheeler for work because I live in rural Washington and suddenly like started experiencing a little numbness and tingling in her leg that while she was at the doctor led to this investigation. And there was no, like, there's no trauma or anything that no riding the four wheeler because she rides them all the time. So they think, they think it was a vibrational, like, kind of idiopathic cause. Well, I guess that's a pathological cause, not an idiopathic cause, but there, you know, there was a traumatic repeated trauma. Um, Yeah. yeah. So like that stuff, like, dude, to see her come back in today and she's like in tears in pain was like, talk about a defeat. (laughs) Like that stuff, it happens in practice. Um, And I think that's something else they don't prepare you enough for in school is like having someone who's in, who's young, come in and just like be in tears over the fact that she's probably like in her head, she's going to surgery, right. you know, like she's freaking out. Right. Um, and like being able to deal with that, that's some stuff that you just don't learn how to do until you're in practice for a while. Right. Um, and it's never fun, <laughs> uh, but you just learn how to like handle it and like literally hold your patient's hand and tell them it's going to be all right. Yeah. Dang. That's a good story to hear though. Yeah, it is. It happens, man. Freak accidents, like, guarantee at some point you're going to do something and 
as soon as the patient walks out the door, you'll be like, dang it. I should have done this other thing. Yeah. Guaranteed that it, that it happens. Like it is what it is. Put it in your notes, track it and do it next time. Yeah, I guess. Exactly. Thanks. So to sum it up, learn business, start slow and shit happens. No, don't start slow. You will start slow. But as soon as you get out of school, like you got bills you need to pay, you know, like you've got, um, you got loans that need to be repaid. You got food to put on the table, like get out of school and start going gangbusters. But you know, it, it don't be upset if business is slow, like you're new to an industry and that's okay. Um, just don't undervalue yourself. I think that's the biggest piece is there's a lot of undervaluing in our industry, especially coming out of school. A lot of people are like, I don't know if I'm worth that much or can charge that much. And the answer is you definitely are. And you definitely can. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I like it. Well, Joe, thank you so much for your time. We'll probably wrap it up there and, uh, best of luck to you, man. Thanks guys. It was great to be on. Yeah. Take care.